Ideas and perspectives are two words that lead the conversations that happen here at New Light Network. Listen in on the variety of individuals that sit at this table and see what you can pick up. This podcast is a production of Golden Duck Studios, done in partnership with Home on Jarvis. Keshava Gita Kumar wears many hats. He's a filmmaker, he's a music composer, he's an entrepreneur, but my favorite hat of all that he wears is that he is one of my dearest friends. And I love this episode for the reason that I got to sit behind a mic and just explore the character that he is and just talk about the things that we both love and hold close to our hearts and our identities. Also a little fun fact is that the intro music that you heard was actually composed by Keshav himself. And uh, well, I won't say much. Uh, let's jump into this and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it and I hope you take some new and unique perspectives away from today. And um yeah, with that being said, welcome back to New Light Network. You know, you're I've obviously I've known you since like first year. We've had what countless conversations and most of the people who I have on this podcast are like, you know, uh, these people who I haven't met much, but I really really was very interested in what they do and they what uh perspectives they had to offer but you're someone who I feel like I've known you for a long time and we've had countless conversations and I feel like it's gotten to the point where like I can have some really really nuanced conversations about you with you about anything honestly in life and that's what makes you one of my closest friends and I'm really happy to have you here how you been okay I'm, I'm as good as one person can be yeah it's been pretty uh interesting um covid's finally beginning to die down um fingers crossed but yeah i've been good just been busy um with different things in life whether it be work whether it be business whether it be traveling trying to battle jet lag and you know on the other side of course personal things family comes first no matter what um for me and yeah it's it's been a very interesting time and i'm just lucky to be alive and lucky to be able to do what i do amazing amazing you said something about getting used to the jet lag quite often mm-hmm. and you know why do you say that what did what do you what do you do these days oh man <laughs> it's like every time i people ask me that i feel like it's easier to answer the question but it's more complicated uh so if at the core of who i am i'm i'm a filmmaker and a film composer um so i've directed and written edited and scored for several short films and feature films that I think I've done pretty well um and the I usually bifurcate what I do one being my creative ventures and then the second being my entrepreneurial ventures um and I currently run two businesses one is called Riverbed Entertainment which is a media group that is run by and run for the youth and the second one is a cryptocurrency and metaverse firm um called Metaversity um which focuses on democratizing education um for people through the through the technology of metaverse and through the advent of of what that technology has to offer and also you know just being a crypto investor and getting in on on what i believe is going to define the future now we went to film school together and that's mm-hmm. how we know each other mm-hmm. and um i still remember when i first saw you in the corridor right outside ima 307 yeah. <laughs> and i was i, I was talking about my essay like the Spike Lee essay that I mm-hmm. wrote about yeah. do the right thing for film theory and then you said you'd done the same one yeah. and uh, I was like cool and then I don't know if we actually read each other's essay but I think that's my first ever uh 
interaction that I've had with you. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's a, the very nice way of putting uh, our first interaction. I think it was just because we finally found someone who's from the exact same city, the exact same country, who speaks the exact same language. Because in our program, we were probably one of the only few Indians, let alone South Indians, who speak Tamar. And, you know, coming from the same city, you know, you just knew that that was going to be the person who's going to be able to relate to you. And that know. is very true. I was going to get to those details, but I'm glad you got there yeah. first. I, I don't. I, I, you put it in a very professional way, but I like to get to what the get real to the reason. Point, you know yeah. what? What? What are we really doing here? Yeah. But uh, yes, you're right. I couldn't. I was. You know, obviously, I'd, I'm an international student. I'm not from here. Uh, but uh, trying to make this place my home and trying to just get comfortable. I feel like I needed characters like you yeah, for exactly. sure, and I, it just made it so much easier. And um, yeah, like I, I think I wouldn't expect, you know, someone, especially from the film school uh, environment to, you know, dip into like cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and this one. Because, I mean, not that it's not conventional or like accepted, I guess. Oh, maybe it is a little unconventional. That's the point. But a lot of the people who we know in our program are like, you know, they're film. They're in it. That's mm-hmm. film. But why are you stepping your toes in here, here and there? And like how, like wh- Why? right now why are you doing that think of it this way um i don't know if you guys know this but uh every i think it's five years um the atoms in our body actually uh get exchanged and replaced for new ones right everything from the little cells in your body to to the bigger things of nature and physics it's always evolving right um and film is so film has been the most beautiful virus that's ever hit me ever since the age of eight. And that's something that I, it'll remain with me and will be with me till the end of time. But I realized that we live in a world where it's, it's, it's moving past us faster than ever. And it's only getting faster. And in my experience dealing with different organizations, different companies, doing different films, cinema is, is a very traditional art form. Right. I'm not talking about OTT TV, not cinema as cinema is a very traditional art form in itself. It's trying to find a new way to to be reborn. Right. Like let's, you know, cat in the box. Like when Scorsese talked about, you know, Marvel being amusement park films, it's because he comes from a very formal tradition of cinema. Um, Similarly, I realized that while I have almost a very spiritual dedication to cinema as an art form, I'm living in a world that's constantly evolving. The iPhone you buy today, next year, is going to be replaced by something even better. How better it is it, that's up to each person's opinion. But that's what, And that's when I realized that in my own mind, I need to, in order for me to do what I want to do, I have to play the game of the world. And that's when when I see new trends and new ways, for example, cryptocurrency, a lot of people just see it as like, oh, invest in coins and get rich quick. That's called a Ponzi scheme, guys. Those are called schemes. But uh, cryptocurrency, I really see is the future of how we are going to conduct business and live out our lives because I think people are beginning to understand the value of, of transparency, the value of, of what it means to move into a virtual world, a meta world. Um, and more so than cryptocurrency, I think what really fascinated me is the, is the technology of the metaverse. Um, you know, I come from a family, uh, a very, I, I came from a very average middle class family in India, right? Um, it was a happy life, but um, 
you know, for example, my mom, she was a very bright person and she got into some of the best universities and colleges in the world. But because of the fact that the, the circumstances that my grandfather father and my grandmother had, they just couldn't afford to give that child the required education. So I come from a background like that. We, we, we weren't given, you know, a billion dollars in our bank accounts. Um, and people just stopped dreaming. People just stopped dreaming because of circumstances that they weren't in control of. But what this new technology allows us to do is to truly build a bridge of meritocracy and democracy. Um, and that's when, like I'd mentioned earlier in my company, we're trying to build an educational platform so that that kid in India who earns maybe $1,000 a month doesn't have to see Stanford or Harvard as a dream, but rather these universities are now collaborating with us to provide education that's solely on merit, right? So that's that's a very long explanation for why I'm doing this. It's very simple, is that as I hold on to the traditions that define me, whether it be my family, whether it be cinema, I need to play the game of the world, and that's why I'm always evolving. I like you. I like that you said it's the game of the world because so one of the things that we actually talk about in this top in this podcast is like the infinite game, mm-hmm. and it's like you know you're in it to stay in the game. You're, you can't win the game. There's no such thing as winning life, um, but you can win those small battles and make sure you stay in the game rather than it's trying funny, to. It's um, funny you actually said that because I think it was Simon Sinek. I might be wrong. It was, it's literally Simon Sinek. Yeah, I, I think That's, he he mentioned a a, t- a thing where he was like. If you want to look at success and mm-hmm. playing the game, it's not about how many games you win. For example, there could be, let's say there's 20 games, right? I'm just saying there's 20 games to life. If a guy wins three versus a guy who wins two. But here's the thing. If the guy who won three is invited to the six games of life versus the guy who won two is invited to all the games of life, the guy who's actually invited to the game is much more successful than the guy who wins the game. Right, And that's a very subtle and a very intellectual thing, I know. But that's a realization that I came to. The higher you go, people don't care about success or they don't care about even your credibility after a point because uh, talent, potential, and all of these things are things that have come. I mean, like, for example, you, you, you know, we're filmmakers, right? We always talk about things like cinematography. If you're looking at it purely from a technical point of view, if you have a nice camera, access to a nice camera, courses and enough practice you can get technically competent right but like i've always told you since first year um and more so when i experienced these things that what i value the most in people is attitude and the attitudes what's going to get you invited to the games right um it's how much can i trust someone how much can i trust that someone will resonate with my vision and how much can that person trust me, right? It's a, it's a, it's a give and take. It's not just them. Simon Sinek said that. Yeah, like the, the Simon. whole, the get, the guy getting invited to the game thing. Yeah, I think it was Simon Sinek. I don't know my brother told me about it, but I just found it really interesting that being invited is the real success than winning the game. Being invited is the real success, than winning the game. You see. Yeah, um, like I said, right? For a guy who gets invited to five games and he wins three. What's not, what I think he says and what I think resonates a lot is is less successful than a guy who gets invited to 10 or 15 games but maybe doesn't win as many as the other guy, right? Sorry. Um, it seems like your voice just died down a little bit. Okay. Like, just um, you can increase your 
volume. Let me increase my gain? No, 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 no. Like your voice, your natural voice. Oh, my voice. voice. Okay. Yeah, sure. just because you don't have the earphones, so you don't yeah. know how loud you speak. Yeah, For just, sure. Yeah, yeah no just, problem. Yeah. No problem. Ready? Yeah, ready. Okay. You know, it's funny because like both of us have done podcasts. Yeah. And it, it's still like just for some something about like being in front of the camera or like just being in front of a recorded space. Mm-hmm. It puts filmmakers at like... Like I say, I, 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 we had a conversation before the podcast. There's a sense of a beautiful arrogance in being behind the camera, behind the scenes, right? Yes. Thank God you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about that. And you said something along the lines of creativity. No, wait, what? Creativity is your arrogance? No, I think creativity uh, inherently brings out a sense of arrogance. That but is very interesting. Yeah. And I want to know why you say that. No, yeah. Well, firstly, people always think that arrogance is a negative thing, right? Arrogance. Let's 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 uh, um, break arrogance down. Define what arrogance means to you. Arrogance. Yeah, I I would say I've always had a negative perception of it. In my mind, it's registered as a negative word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that you said that. It may be not. It's not. F- so, what is arrogance to you, though? What it, what would you define it as? Mm. the opposite of humility for me it's like those two words are like sort of okay. yin and yang and okay. that's how i've pictured in my mind humility there's just like a radar of like i, I guess what you see is arrogance is as a sense of a public exhibition of what well, what i see arrogance is a public exhibition of self-belief right now people people exhibit arrogance to put other people down like hey i am better than you or you're better than me now the result of what they do or the way they want to exhibit their their self-belief and how what they believe they are Mm -hmm. is the negative part but the act of exhibiting self-belief um is not necessarily a bad thing. And that's what I personally see arrogance. Everyone has a different definition to arrogance, right? And they come like from the path that I've come through. I've always seen arrogance as the ability to hold on to something in your life and do it with complete pride and complete guts, right? But, um, but why do you say that creativity? I don't know. Like it doesn't that. So you define it as a public exhibition? Like, okay, I'll give you a very big example. Um, and we've heard this many times. For example, the guy who did Squid Game um, took, like, I think more than a decade for the for his script to be made. Mm-hmm. Many people told him the script was no good. Do you know the name of the creator? I have no idea. Okay. But I should, yeah. If you can, just, like, say it or overdub it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he... Uh, now, someone could say that he's been rejected so many times. I He held on to his creative and his beliefs because he thought he was good enough. Or he thought that, you know... Screw the world! And my idea is so great. Now, would would you consider that arrogance, right? Because from a from a definition point of view, it's like when you think you're better than everyone else, when you think your ideas are better than anyone else, people see it as arrogance. But that's not. It's his ability to hold on to his vision and his ideas, and that's what to me, creativity brings out a very beautiful arrogance. Once again, right? An arrogance that doesn't affect anyone else but you. And how do you make sure it does not affect others, like? In, in my mind, how I've seen it, you asked me for the definition. And um, for me, I'm thinking more about the meaning than the definition. And there's always different ways to express the meaning of a word. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. But it's arrogance can also 
you remember the last part of what you said? I just, I just, can, you, can you repeat the last part? No, I just said arrogance is the ability to hold on to your vision and, and something in your life respect of what people think or do. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's say you let, let it get the better of you and how do you make sure that you, do, you don't affect it? I mean, it can always get the better of you, but again, you have, what I do, I'm, I'm talking from a creative point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when an idea infects my mind and I become so obsessed with it that I become arrogant about it, I always understand that I am, I am not ahead of the idea. The idea is ahead of me, right? This vision that I have that I'm so arrogant about is not about me. I take that arrogance and why I need that arrogance and this because the more things you do um, and the the thing the higher you go up the the, the game right the ladder there's always going to be people to push you down right um, and sometimes you need that arrogance to your own self that hey my idea is good enough that my idea is good enough I mean you can talk to so many people in the industry there's there's genuinely good ideas that get squandered all the time right how are you going to withstand that you know, you so that's where I think the creative arrogance for me comes in, where it's like I know I've invested so much of my time, my life, and my resources. Now, again, sometimes that arrogance teaches you a lesson, where sometimes your ideas are genuinely not great, or it's not the time to be made. And I feel like that's just a matter of how life decides to take you. But coming back to what I'd originally said about creative creativity being a, a beautiful arrogance, is because when that idea does something to you, it you hold on to it no matter what. And that's what I see arrogance as. Well, then let me ask you this. What do you see as the definition of humility? Humility is, so I can only speak from my experience. Um, it's very simple, right? Um, I always believe that I, although I'm in control of everything on paper, on work, that like I have nothing to do with what I'm making, right? Um, I don't think I'm a creator. I think I'm just an antenna. In my mind, I've always when I write, when I antenna off. What do you attach to? I, I, it's, it's this is gonna probably be super trippy. So whoever's listening, you know, just get ready for this. But I always believe that my cinema already exists out there. My characters are already souls that exist out there. That I'm simply an antenna to bring them into celluloid or bring them into the world, right? Um, And what humility is, is what humility is to me is that understand that, you know, you like this whole world we're talking about. Right. I was reading something interesting the other day. Have you guys ever heard of gamma ray bursts? Yeah. Yeah. Gamma ray bursts. So pretty much when um, I think when 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 stars explode or something happens, uh, a huge burst of gamma rays hit um, just, just go through space. All it takes is seven seconds of exposure to gamma rays for this entire world to be obliterated. That's how fragile we are, right? Um, I. It's just that every. What keeps me humble every day is the fact that I know that in this lifetime, I will not even learn an atom's worth of knowledge about the world we live in, or the universe that we live in. It's just not possible in one human life. Right. But at the same time, I think about this, you know, when for an egg and a sperm to meet and then for that egg and to, to grow into a child, for that child to be born into a specific set of circumstances and to, be, to, to sit where I am with you today, the odds are one in 400 trillion. Right. When you know that you've come from such 
an impossible probability, I can't help but be humble, right? What am I really in control of, right? And the more I discover more about my craft, more about the world I live in, I just, I can't not be humble. You've always been very inspired by the people around you. So that's, that's one thing I give to you. Thank you. And one of the things that you did was very interesting is that just up until like last year, you put like whenever you start, you, whenever you would promote yourself, you would do Keshava Kumar. Mm-hmm. And then up until two years ago, you added your mom's name in. Yeah. And th- that's what that's what Lewis Hamilton did too. The GOAT. The GOAT. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mad respect for that. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, you, you always find very like artistic ways of articulating your thoughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, it's very like. Um, that's what you find it boring to talk to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even when you're in like uh, the what do you say the film classes you know uh, you would you would raise your hand for every <laughs> every cut and the funny thing is see. yeah the funny thing is I wouldn't, even be in class. I wouldn't even be in class he would not be in class yeah. at all this man does not come to class <laughs> you know you, the, the amount of classes you've attended is probably less than what you've missed correct yeah easily, definitely easily and we know that everyone in our class knows that we're yeah. like is Keisha gonna show up today you know what I don't think so wait 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 hold on hold on hold on yes I'd like to take this moment yes to congratulate that both of you yes. have graduated this month oh thank you thank you very much thank yeah. you very much so thank it's you. funny because you got used to saying so I'm a film student and I'm like technically you graduated, you graduated. But you're still a student of film yeah. in life though that is true I'm obviously still a st- I'm just getting started yeah man. you know yeah so now you can be like I'm a film graduate but um, you know, student yeah. of life. Yeah. yeah. Or like I'm a young professional in yeah. film. You know that you gotta now start changing these titles now that we we've passed that. Yeah. And he's beginning to create a great portfolio of work with this photography and stuff. Thank I'm loving you. it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. But again, you know, like the funny thing is, like, I, let's say there's five classes, right? I'd missed the first four. I'd come on the last day because I don't want to lose my marks. But then the way I would ask questions or give comments is much more like it's it's much more than what people have done in the first four classes it's just a habit of mine i love being in the moment um because i think uh i with the circumstances around me and also the things that i've been through in life i just have no choice but to be in the moment that is true right? and even though you were not there for most of the classes you always made your presence known yeah and the the consistency in which you would answer would always like <laughs> it was entertaining you know sometimes it was maybe uh more entertaining than the film that we saw on the screen. Yeah. So it was it was good. Thank you. And um, you know you've directed two films now, two major films. Well, I think it's three, three. Um, and then two in production right now. Why? No, wait. In the sense, like, reunion was one. Yeah, and then so that's the, the one said, that's the new yeah. one. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little more about? Yeah. Uh, so so, um, so I can talk about Sodad for sure. So Sodad is a uh, an experimental drama film based on true events that happened in Toronto. Um, and the film is actually interesting because it's shot on like three distinct formats, 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter color, which is analog film and then 4K digital. Um, and it's so I actually have to thank film school for this um, because, um, you know, we on first year and second year, I mean, first first year only mm-hmm. we shot on the Bolex 16 millimeters. So yeah, which I don't know if you did you enjoy that experience? I actually think that in the four years that I've been at Ryerson that yes. has been my most beautiful and cherished your mo- you would say that is your most I would do experience. it again and again and again okay um, I will be honest with you guys right now and I did I did not quite enjoy it I'll be <laughs> honest with you it was it made for some good memories I made I, I had I had fun you know holding on to the shutter while I was yeah. uh, like it, it was getting you know filmed and recorded that that was a unique experience but I don't think I enjoyed it you know what would have been interesting if they'd mm-hmm. done 16 millimeter in the final year 
as opposed to yeah. the first year. But see, I think why why it, again, when when I was in first year, I'm like, why in the world are we doing this? Because in George Brand, they're out there using After Effects in first year and understanding. But I think what that taught me, now that I think about it, is to understand the foundation of cinematic grammar, right? Because with the advent of all these film cameras, it's so easy for us to forget the grammar of our craft. I absolutely, I agree with you. I've, I've picked up 35 millimeter film very recently and yeah. I'm learning the slower process. Yeah. But I feel like I, I'm glad I got into digital photography first though. Yeah. yeah. Just like I feel like I would have been more glad if we did digital um you know, videography, yeah. and then probably did 35 millimeter in like second year or even third year for that yeah. matter. Absolutely. And um, I don't know. I feel I feel like the education for me personally would have been yeah. better that way. There's always two schools of thought. Like for me, it's like when I did shoot on film and I had to plan because you had to storyboard all your shots. There's yes. only this many feet, right? Yes. So when I take the discipline of that and I put it into digital cinema, right? I, oh, it, that is interesting. It did. It did require us to do like a lot of yeah. you know storyboarding. And you could you can we have were, like we had to submit that right. We, we had, had to, to submit, submit storyboards, storyboards and, and then also we get marked on that. Yes. Yeah, and we had to. We only had like an extra. I think we only had hundred feet. We had to mm-hmm. make our shots count. We had to rehearse according to that, and then no dollies and no cranes. You had to use state like you know handheld so oh, it was a lot of analog it yeah. was we also had visual studies which was another very oh. hard class <laughs> well, that's, uh, I, I know i know i know it's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a reaction that a lot of people yeah. give yeah. but i would say that even that was contributing to the fact that you know it's we get appreciate the art side of it yeah. but i feel like we weren't artistically mature enough yeah. and i think most of education year. is not even like, like for example i think about grade 12 math i'm not going to use derivatives for the rest of my life i really don't think i'm going to use any of the calculus or trigonometry I learned, but it's about the discipline that comes with, right? Visual studies. I failed grade seven art. I can't, I, like for me to convince someone that my circle is a circle takes me four hours. <laughs> That's how bad I'm at drawing, but what it taught me is a sense of discipline. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, okay. Like my drawings are trash, right? Like <laughs> I, I struggle to draw stick figures, <laughs> right? But I think what it did is not teach me how to draw better, it taught me the discipline. Right, you have to exactly line your things up one eighth of an inch at a time. I mean, it's all about discipline, right? So I hated it when I did it, but now in retrospect, I'm actually grateful I did it. Tanasha, have you ever done drawing, or like any sort of? He's a music man. He's so you uh, can beats all the time. It's it's kind of funny because um, I think it started off in high school. I, I wasn't that good at art. But I was good at technical drawing, which is um, oh. that's why I'm kind of leaning on the engineering side. Sorry, like, what drawing? Technical, like architecture, okay. like, like, like blueprints and stuff. Like I, I could not draw a face. Okay. But that mic that you're holding, I could draw it because I see, for example, basic shapes, and I could draw it technically. So I took yes. something called design and technology, where I could sketch everything, like create a solution, and then digitalize it later on. So it was funny. I could draw technical things, but I couldn't draw like, for example, a shoe. I can't draw that, but yeah. give me a cupboard. I can draw it from like my head and make it spicy and which was very weird yeah. in my sense. And I was very good at that. Yeah. So I, I found it very weird. So that's the only drawing I can do. And I know that you dabble a little bit in your music. I know you talk about like, you know, the beats that you make and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to know, do you play an analog like instrument? And so back at home, yes, they're called the marimbas. Oh, marimbas, nice. Yeah, which are like xylophones here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the only instrument that I have in my utility belt. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. but that marimbas one, because um, as a person, I was one of those people where, oh my gosh, I had to learn things like tempo. Then after learning tempo, I was very stiff, so I had to learn things like rhythm because mm. I never did as a child. So. Picking it up at 13 years old was very weird, right? So, but I was proud and happy of actually learning these things. So now I've been able to transfer them to different platforms yeah. and things because I know what tempo 
rhythm and stuff like that is now. And the marimba is a very beautiful instrument because I think it has such a beautiful blend of rhythm and melody. Yeah. Like the marimba is not going to play one note. It's it's, it's a melody yeah. that's split into different rhythms and it's just a beautiful instrument. And, yeah. And what I like about that is they play or they make the use of resonance where when you play something, the after effect of yeah. them shaking. Yeah. It's like on a piano when you hold that foot yeah. thing when and you sustain the, it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like that so when you play them i just found it very interesting yeah. and then when you rhythm rhythmatize them whatever yeah. it's called oh it sounds so, so good did you learn that like uh through a teacher or just by yourself yes i had we had a coach but mine wasn't more like oh my gosh this is a c note d note mm-hmm. e note this yeah. was okay <laughs> monkey see monkey do exactly would be he will pull up give you the whole song he's like got it and then not do it and i'm like what the flip so luckily i had a good friend of mine um he was very talented in music so he kind of helped me so i took times where for example if you now know a song in your head and then if you know what the keys sound like for some reason there's like this blend where you when you start playing you know exactly what notes you need to hit at what time Mm. because yeah it's something that he taught me after a while so i kind of so i could do these monkey see monkey do play something after two three two three times i could do it that's amazing yeah that's how I'm learning guitar right now. Yeah. If you ask me what a, I know what a pentatonic scale is, mm-hmm. I was going to say that, but if you ask me to play the different pentatonic scales yeah. or like even ask me what scales are, I couldn't honestly tell you, Yeah. but, but I can play a few songs. When I, when I learned tabla for six years, tabla. I mean, yeah. And okay. you know, it's, I, I, I would always fail the practical exams, but I could see what my teacher played and played in minutes, right? Even as a film composer right now, when I, when I compose, I have no idea how to conduct an orchestra, but I know. I know music when I feel it, right? And I think, like you said, in- instinct teaches you much more than what your brain. Yeah, has. it's a more fun way to learn as well. Oh yeah, you know? exactly. You don't you don't get too caught up, especially when you're doing it as a hobby. Anyway, I don't know how it's for you when you do it professionally, but yeah. as a hobby, you know, you don't. I don't know. I don't the funny thing is, everyone thinks like a composer like sits down. Oh, I have to make this piece, but majority of my film composer friends and we compose every day it's like a routine we have and if something so good you're comes telling out, me you compose like today yesterday i yesterday. i will compose today i yes. compose yesterday and i'll compose every day for the rest of my life it's so a, you and you've been doing that consistently for how yeah, long several years several years yeah even if it's like a little actually you know just you go in you open your logic software you have your instruments just go so that's one common hour. thing that you do every day like yeah. that's part of your routine it's no part of my what. routine because there also it feels like there's something in my brain that's just stuck right? kind of like that because um it's like how i used to do some of my composing as well would be i'll be like i would listen to something and like hmm i wonder if i can make something similar because i would have an idea would have popped up so okay. i'll try something keep it in the archives let's say six months later i play it back and i like hmm let me sample this yeah, and then exactly. you create something very, very new and distinct. But it was something that I created six months ago. Yeah, and then yeah, so I kind of understand. And what it's the saying. weirdest thing ever as a composer, you become so hyper vigilant to sounds or anything like that. Like, you know, a few years ago, my grandma was making curry, and you know, when you put the curry on the pan, like it sizzles. I took that sizzle and I sampled it and put it in something. Very just, nice. That's a very yeah, interesting thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, even what Billy Eilish did in Australia with the with the crossroads and crossroads. You know, What's that? Yeah, so you know how like you have the crosswalks. Sorry, crosswalks. So okay. um, <laughs> there's like this very rhythmic. It just like there's this rhythmic thing that comes in. Okay. And I think Phineas, her brother, or Billy recorded that, and that actually became the hi hats for Bad Guy. Oh, right. So it's yeah, and and you know this this is one thing that like has been so beautiful. I think it's really become the rise ever since like trap music came in. Is the concept of sampling. Yep. 
right? Um, is to take like the sounds of the world and manipulating them with software and creating a whole new different sound. It's Who do you think is the greatest sampler right now? Kanye West. But but yes. before we get to Kanye West, I mean, don't tell and Travis do that. But I think you know Kanye what? West I think is Drake's the up there. I think I don't yeah, know if this is hits. a controversial opinion these days, but Drake's. Up yeah, there. but okay. So when it comes to so wait, who did you, so you said Kanye West? But yet again, EDM artists are probably Kanye the best West. samplers on earth. Yeah, fair enough. And you have to be fair careful enough. when you say like someone like Drake or someone like you know they're they're amazing artists, no doubt, but they're not the ones constantly making the beats. Yeah, oh, they yeah, have that is true, yeah. that's that's one thing that always sort of bothers. Is like if I make a beat for an artist, mm-hmm. right, and that song. People love the beat. It becomes a hit. It becomes that that artist's song was a hit. The one yeah. who made the beat, right? It's, um, sim- it's similar to how, like, you know, that there's an overexposure for directors in the movie in the movie industry. Mm-hmm. But I think producers do way yeah, of course. more, or like not way more, I would say, but their their job is sometimes way more stressful. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, it it um, there's this little, this this sense of jealousy that comes into me. I'm gonna be very honest. Is when someone says, "Hey, you know, that film had great cinematography." Um, but like you're so involved with the cinematographer on the composition on the like you know it becomes such a coexisting relationship that sometimes you're like when someone for example when someone you know recently for my my short film someone so my short film won a few awards at the Cannes World Film Festival in LA and you know it did its rounds uh, when when the person won best music they deserve it with all their heart but there's a sense of jealousy in me because I remember giving them like 52 pages of notes on exactly <laughs> how I wanted the music right so that, but that's also the beauty of the craft is that it's such a shared victory, right? There's like that one second of jealousy that, hey, you know, shouldn't I be getting like half this award? Like if you get the leg, I get the torso of the statuette, right? But it's also a very beautiful if thing. I get the leg, like, I get the torso. Yeah, you know yeah, how it That was the this. first time I've heard that. Exactly, man. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm giving out gems right here. But, but it's also the beauty of a shared victory that when someone in your crew wins, you feel just as proud as them, right? So, yeah. Also, my favorite sampler, I'm going to go a bit more traditional, is Hans Zimmer composer mm. he, he's 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 been the legend of sampling you know far before mm-hmm. the modern era so Hans Zimmer for the win wow. it, it's crazy because um <clears throat> sometimes there's certain things that you won't even notice that they were sampled until someone tells you exactly. that they were sampled like no one would have known Billy Eilish's hi-hats were sampled mm-hmm. in Australia yeah. do you know this is the funniest thing mm-hmm. so you've you've seen Star Wars mm-hmm. right so you know the Star Wars uh the, those gun blasters yeah. they go pew pew <laughs> yeah I kid you not so the guy, right, who was making Star Wars and his crew, right, he was walking by, they were filming on this set back in the day, um, and there was like, you know these power lines? So yeah. it's a pole supported by these um, steel cables that run parallel into the ground. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what fell on that thing, and it made a sound that go, Pew! and he was like, hold on, <laughs> sample that. So they went with the hammer yeah. on that line, they did they he literally hit it and went Pew! and he's like that's our sound yeah that's what i want the gun blasters to sound like sampled that tweaked it now here Pew! 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 Nice. and i'm like that is crazy yeah. i thought that was digitally made but that was, came from pure analog yeah that was one of the again the one of the memories of film school foley. was foley, foley doing yeah. foley for the first time so do you know what foley sound is foley sound is when let's say on a screen you see a person walking and the sound of that is actually so like I would stand like say, let's say over there I'd project the movie onto the wall and I'd follow their footsteps oh. and I'd record the sound of my footsteps yeah. in the studio and that's Foley like for example Bones cracking is just cabbage being <laughs> yeah. manhandled yeah they find very very creative <laughs> it makes ways sense. Yeah. including like punches and stuff like that right yeah. punches you, uh, like cinema sense. is such an elusive art form like yes. you can do whatever like I was telling him that day like how like directors cheat angles it's just it's 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 magic. It's it's literally what it is. Cinema is it will always be magic, 
right? Like, for example, all cinema is is 24 images shown at a certain speed. Yeah, right? FPS. But to you, you make up an image. I can shoot five scenes, put them in random order. Like, you know, the Kuleshov effect, right? Yes. Like, arbitrary images come together and you impose a meaning on them. So I always tell people, like, who's the real director? I'm only 50% the director of my film. The other 50% the audience, right? For example, you know, if you got into a car crash, knock on wood before my movie, you come in with a different mindset, you watch my movie, you interpret things differently. Or you come from a happy place, you had a nice dinner, you come and watch my movie, you interpret differently. So it's just, yeah, cinema is... Cinema is, cinema is us. We see, it's, cinema yeah. is the reflection of what we see in ourselves. Exactly, exactly. So that's the plain and simple most nuanced way of putting it honestly mm-hmm. I think two of two of us are like lovers of cinema and that's yeah. why we're here doing out trying to do yeah. what we think is best but what what do you how was you know talk about your film school experience how was it you know I know you did like you know you always had a lot of things going on outside which is obviously why you didn't um, like come like to most of the classes but how has film school it's still been a presence in your life nevertheless of course so how talk about how that's like impacted you affected you or even like yeah. benefited you so here's the thing i come from a very academic background from what from do you my mean? family like my brother you know he went to med school i come from a family of lawyers and i genuinely like to study like a south basically like a south Indian um, yeah, basic, w- traditional south asian a traditional yeah. south especially Indian. South what Indian. goes on back home yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk about back home in a bit yeah. but you know so and the I, outliers are outliers oh, yeah. they are different anyway we'll get to you that. know we'll so um and the worst thing for me we'll, we'll talk actually we'll talk about that after but yeah. yeah no film school has been a very interesting experience for me because i think i'm at an age where I also need a sense of routine to really keep my discipline going. Um, and it's difficult doing things outside, but to balance those stresses, you have a social life that you've built around school. I, I generally like to go to school. Now, um, of course, you know, I'm going to be very honest. I felt like I learned much more of my skills and my things from the outside world, as anyone naturally would, right? But I would not write off my university experience because I think... What it gave me was like, for example, when I when I when I'm on my spare time, I'm probably gonna end up making music than watching like Kurosawa's greatest hits, hits right? Uh, or watching what has become one of my favorite films, was Passion of Joan of Arc, right? Yeah. Um, so I think film school gave me a very disciplined way of understanding my craft that I often feel like I wouldn't have gotten if it was just purely the outside world, um, and it actually gave me also motivation that in the future, actually wilding my films, I also want to be a film professor. Because yeah, is that um, actually what you want to take out? Yeah, and that comes from the fact that, you know, to live a life where I can share my genuine love for cinema and help other filmmakers find their voice is, is something that, hey, sign me up, I want to do it. Um, and I especially want to, you know, I, I felt like certain things, especially coming from Indian background, some of our history, our collective, I can say our because we come from the same culture, mm-hmm. uh, some of our collective history has been completely misinterpreted underrepresented so it's it's just it's not researched on plain and simple it's 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 nonsense it's it's the most traditional stereotypes just put into a powerpoint and you know i and when i so just to give you guys context i think when we learned about indian cinema and film school um you know i i was in in a state of shock and i was telling her i'm going to stand up and i'm going to go off on my professor whoever because it was just it it felt more like an attack on me an attack on what cinema has been for us than like anything else because I just think you know we live in a time where everyone wants to give 
credibility to BIPOC people. Oh, you know, have this culture, um, you know, do X, Y, Z, let's celebrate indigenous cinema. But I think it's not just enough to celebrate us, but it's important to understand us. Yes. Right. Um, Like, I, I always believe this fundamental thing. If you look at the great six Scorsese or Tarantino, a big element to why they've become greats is because of their understanding of Indian cinema. Um, for example, Quentin Tarantino. Nolan, I'll put Nolan yeah. up there. Yeah, no, Nolan. Of course, Nolan is loved by India and India loves Nolan, right? That's yes. a very honest thought. Like Quentin Tarantino, there's an animated sequence in Kill Bill that's inspired by one of the legends of Indian cinema. His name is Kamal Hassan. Um, one of, and it, it was inspired by a sequence from his films or Scorsese and his understanding of Satyajit Ray's films, right? It's You cannot... If you, it's, I feel like you're only truly complete when you understand Indian cinema yes. to some extent because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of stories that the Western world has not been um, exposed to that I think when you expose yourself to Indian cinema, just teach you. We're not just song and that dance. That's very true. Right? Yes. We're, we're much deeper than that. We are song and dance, but we do it with... With such exactly. character, you, you know. The funny thing is, everyone laughs craft. when you know. Everyone laughs when we when we talk about song and dance. But I'll I'll give you I'll give you an image, right? We, there's so many things that divide us in the world today, but when there is a, a superstar or when there is a f- film of song and dance, and we go on the first day, go on the first show, try battle our life to get those tickets because you know they sell out quickly it's a culture back yeah and you you, and you see a song on screen and people just run to the front and dance you don't care about the guy next to you what his race is what his gender is how much he earns what his beliefs are you don't care you just go and you live in the moment because you love that star you love that song and you being in unison and that's something you're not going to find in hollywood or anywhere else but you're going to find it i'll I'll draw a comparison so because i'm sure a lot of people can't relate to Mm -hmm. maybe this part of the conversation and the thing is imagine avengers endgame Mm -hmm. right imagine the avengers endgame cheers like everyone had you know that that really got everyone together and when you know uh captain america got thor's hammer you know you can hear imagine the environment that was going on then if you if you were lucky enough to go in the first few weeks of the release this happens for every film that's released in yeah. south india yeah. this happens for every film and it's not even director based it's actor based yeah and uh, yes directors obviously they get the exposure and they they need sometimes honestly even producers do producers get a lot of exposure in south yeah. india which is really good and this is the energy for all films yeah. that they release and there's there's two very important points that i just really have to make that's been in my mind for a long time is one I so I've watched I've dealt with my fair share of western cinema and people and I've had my very strong share of Indian cinema I've never seen a more accepting audience than Indians right um, in fact uh, you know they're for the amount of song and dance films that everyone knows but there have been equally extraordinary avant-garde films films you know like today for example imagine imagine a scene where you know there's a genocide going on and there's a woman getting cut in half they would never be able to play these scenes like this on a cineplex, right? Unless it's R-rated. But when you have heavy topics like that, about genocide, about about injustice, here it would simply be a case study. But people in India flock to the theaters, irrespective of their backgrounds, to go and celebrate that film and make a change in society. In fact, cinema plays such a big role that for a politician who wants to become the next prime minister or anything, he sees cinema as a vehicle. Yep. Right. There are many films um, that you look up to and be inspired. Yeah, and in fact, you know, we, we, we people always say, oh, "Why in India are they doing like dramatic stuff?" Here's the thing: 
you guys have Iron Man, you guys have Thor. I mean, we all do. I love them as well. But in India, India doesn't want to see people in capes, right? Most of India right now is still making significantly less money than someone in Canada does. That's just a population game. It's a numbers game. Yes. So to them, they're, who they want to see as the real heroes, the common man, right? That's why you have people who look like us who do things like us, when they go out there on screen and do extraordinary things, it's a projection of their own self. That, hey, maybe I, he's a guy just like me, and he's doing extraordinary things. And therefore, maybe that gives me a sense of hope. Yeah, no no, yeah, like no logic. A guy who looks just like me can go and change the government in a day, or can go and beat up XYZ people for a cause. Yeah, we know that, right? But just what that hope that it instills on the common man is really why it happens again and again. Now, do I agree with that? No, right? But I'm just saying that I know a lot of Americans who have been exposed to Indian cinema, both the good and the bad of it, and I've always understood that they have appreciated that cinema much more because they understand what the value of that cinema is to society as a whole. You know, this this is a very well-put statement about Indian cinema, but before we go off that topic, I want to retract back to when you, you know, coming back to, you know, you, you were saying you weren't very happy with mm-hmm. the research on Indian cinema done yeah. in the classes that we did. And you're right, because it was not a representation of Indian cinema. Yeah. Yes, it was film history, and we were supposed to learn history. So yeah. at that point, maybe that's what Indian cinema was. But I want credit, I will give credit where it's due, is that we did learn about Satyajitra, and we did learn about some other pivotal filmmakers. But I feel like we should have touched upon the industry that one in every seven people in the world yeah. is yeah. a part of. Yeah. One in every seven people in the world. Yeah. That's Indians. One point, whatever billion now, out of the seven billion people that exist in the world. We produce the most amount of films in yes. the world. And it's the, it's the biggest industry. Yeah. And I feel like film school, there there's cer- a certain obligation to... Not, I'm not saying you need to make it a major part of your syllabus. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you're going to represent it, you got to represent it in its purest form, its most genuine form, and in a way that people understand what the magnitude of it is so that you can learn that there's not just one big Hollywood industry. There is a whole other world. And if you want to migrate to another country, I'm an international student. I came from Singapore over here and I left my country. So if people want to do the same and can be inspired by an external uh, film industry, you know, I think I think they owe, they owe it to the people to do that. Very simple solution to that. Tanisha, where are you from? What's your background? I'm from Zimbabwe. You're from Zimbabwe. Now, if I come into your class and uh, me as who I am, I go on Wikipedia, I read a few articles, and I teach an introduction to Zimbabwe course, would you take it? No. Right? But yet again, <clears throat> but yet again, you know how university is, right? Yeah. For example, you're studying business, but the prof right in front of you doesn't even have or owned a business, right? Mm-hmm. He just probably studied all theory and just, you know. Do you think that uh, a good professor, mm-hmm. right, like you see as someone who's done it and like, you know, sort of like done it, been through it rather than someone who's just studied it? Yes. So for me personally, as a person, right, um, for example, I'm just going to give an example to describe my meaning. I grew up in a third world country. Mm. I've seen places that are, for example, where it's just you don't have no power, no water, nothing, right? I've seen every side. I've seen the luxuries, and I've seen the bad sides. And now I'm in a first world country and I've seen stuff. So I have a full picture of everything. 
so it's easy for me to relate to certain things especially when it comes to films you know um have been around the world a couple of places i've immersed in a lot of cultural experiences as well with some people here some people there so i kind of have like a full picture and that's why i take time to like if someone's going to say something and i know that they've actually done something or experienced something i value that because i know myself because i've been through something and i'm like that's very more uh, much more meaningful compared to someone who just says oh, i read this article and this is what i think and i'm like mm, maybe but yeah. you don't really know what it is yeah. until you've done it but my thing is like why would why would are they, why are they employing people like that no no it's the like first world that you can't say employing no it's, it's see just the first world it's just and it's not just that i mean i i made this very bad mistake in my own head that you know is he better than me you know who is he to who who is he to tell me? Especially from a creative point of view, it's not like wait who's this high for like when I'm talking you? about whoever's teaching me, right? There's that oh, like the yeah, there's that innate like that for that one second. There's like always oh, you know, especially when we showed like the rushes of our films and they disagree. It's like who the hell are you to tell me, right? But <laughs> that, that that's an honest area. I'm I'm an honest guy. I came for a second, but then I realized that again we come back to the world of the game, right? Um, that doesn't mean that that person has because you haven't done X Y Z, you're not qualified to talk about something because. He might have taken the journey, or she might have, or they might have taken a journey there, but the result was is not in people's hands. Like for example, you and I can grow our heads and all the knowledge, but if our circumstances didn't give us the opportunity, right now, does that make you unqualified to talk about certain things? No, right. It just happens to be that you played the game, and that's your result. But coming to back to what Tanashi had to say, is I think, you know, I'm totally okay with the guy who hasn't accomplished anything. In fact, I would probably, if if there was a guy who traveled to every part of the world. Right and came back and taught me something. I take it, right? Because it's like when when you when you don't like when, again come back to humility. When you don't take the active effort to understand what you're teaching from many other perspectives, right? When someone is so unidimensional, yeah, so even experts in their field sometimes I don't take their opinions because they see it only from one dimension, right? I think that's where the problem happens. Is that people who are even in our film school. You know, professors or even even our peers who have such a strong quote. Now that's where the arrogance is: a strong arrogance to who they are and what they've built for themselves. That they just feel that that is the ultimate truth, and that's how. Here's a very simple reason why I want to be a professor. In these four years, the very little you want class, to or you don't want. To? No, I want to be a yes. professor. Okay. In these four years, although I, I didn't come to class as much as you guys, it was especially in the beginning. It was never about my vision. People began to like say this is wrong and this is right. It was never about discovering my voice. It was about understanding another voice and playing puppet to it. You would agree, right? Like, for example, I I had a shot in my film that I thought would be a very great uh, ending. Now I wasn't marked. I was marked for the fact that that shot existed and I got my marks off. I was never marked for my justification as to why that shot's in my film, right? So that's where the arrogance comes in when you think that what you've built around you is the truth. Right? And and you're saying that, you know, at the end of the day, it is a human opinion, and it's yeah. one opinion. Yeah. And even in business, business is all a human opinion. Right? I was going to say, um, <clears throat> for example, why I would rather take a lesson from a guy who started ten businesses and didn't succeed in any of them, yeah. yes, compared to someone who just who didn't start a business but studied the numbers and whatever. This this because, reminds sorry this just exactly what you said. It reminds me of a quote that one of I think. The best profs we've had, and some may not agree, but I very much respect him. I look up to him. Oh, of course. Um, but uh, he said, uh, "I am your professor, 
because simply because I have failed more times than you have. Yeah. That's what he said to us. Every time he would give an opinion, that's exactly what he would say to us. Yeah. So to talk about the same prof, why, like we just talked about who I, in my opinion, should be like the one to teach. Yeah, of course, people had a problem with him in terms of his harshness. But he, here's why I was able to tolerate that. And again, this comes from my own experience. For example, I know COVID is a very hard time um, and we had so many obstacles against our thesis films and things to make work. But here's the thing. We still had $10,000 to make a film, a short film. That man, and I've I've been I've had the privilege to talk to him on closer fronts. On a good day, when there was no COVID, the sun was bright out, and blah 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 blah, probably had less money than that to make his feature. And I can even attest to you when reunion, right? It, it's on out on Amazon Prime, the U.S. and U.K. and all these things. To make a short film in Canada, the average cost is two thousand. I had fifteen hundred bucks to make a feature. You have no choice but to do it. Going back to our, our professor, he probably on a good day had to make ends meet with much less resources and in all honesty, privilege than we do now. So when a man comes from that background, right, or like someone like my father, when he didn't even have shoes to wear and today he's lived the life he has, he, he's not going to sit here and, and comfort your ego. He's not going to comfort your arrogance. Now, I of course, I understand that films are such a personal thing to people, so they end up, you know, taking it personally, but... I think this is what I this is what I mean is that when you come from a different perspective, like there were other professors who were nice, courteous, but he just found that the best way for me to help you is to give you a taste of that bitter medicine because he's had that same medicine and today he's had quite a good name for himself, right? Oh, he's so, a very well accomplished. Uh, exactly, professor. exactly. Well so for me, where I come from, I'm able to understand that because I come from a culture and I know he's from a generation where people had to go through relatively speaking far more obstacles and resources to get to where we are today and he's spoken all this he's honestly he's told his class yeah. uh, our, our class this a lot of times and honestly coming from the background that we come from yeah. i can relate to it yes i will give them i'll give benefit of the doubt to most people who don't come from that background and honestly if they find it hard to relate to ali like i totally get it yeah but um, but you know like it's it is such a privilege and i'm going to talk just about the both of us anyway that we you know for our and from coming from our background to proudly call ourselves filmmakers is a big thing right to come to a country where opportunities are open and, and define your image is a big thing i was in india a couple of years ago in my film festival you know one of my films that got the best film award and there were these you know so i was an international guy although i looked just like them they thought i wasn't from canada but then when i was they put me on a stage and there were these these journalists and everyone and at the back were 200 young children all right Indian filmmakers and it was just a very thin line between me and them a very thin line between the stage and these kids who deserve to be on that stage with me so anyway all of this happened and the films are screening um, for example there was this one guy who had made a film his father had passed away and um, his mother and him were going on a trek up like the highest of mountains in their in their in their province to go to a church right because it was their father's dream I saw that film and for days on end, I cried, right? And I'm like, I, I don't even know if I, I have the space to make a film like this, right? But because of circumstances, because of socioeconomic circumstances, because of things that they could not control, they're not on the stage with me, right? So when I am on that stage, I there's a sense of guilt 
that am I stealing another person's position, which, you know, I later on figured it's not the way the world works. But I feel the sense of responsibility in everything I do. That's why there's crypto. That's why it's metaverse. To make money and get rich quick? No, I don't give a damn about the money. But it's about the fact that there is another Keshav like me. There is another Anirudh like me. There's another Tanashi like me who doesn't have an opportunity that we do. And they deserve to get that opportunity. If I cut our wrists right now, we're all going to bleed blood. You're not going to bleed tomato sauce. You're not going to bleed Alfredo sauce. We're all at fundamentally the same point, equal. Right? And that's why I, I hope, when you bring up humility, right? It's these things. When you understand, even at cinema, 125 or 150 years of blood, sweat, sacrifice, people losing their families, people killing themselves in the name of frustration, depression, not just the negative, the gratifications, people lives changing. How many times has a film inspired me to go a certain way in life? All of this, all of this leads to that one moment when I'm the director, or one moment I pick up the camera in the morning. That's how I tell myself every morning, that for me to be in this position to wake up, to direct a film, to write a film, or to be remotely involved in anything, it's taken 150 years of my predecessor's sacrifice as an artist and thousands of years of sacrifice of my ancestors. And when you live life every day with that attitude, not to fear it, but to be grateful for it, I can guarantee you'll be hum humble for the rest of your life. You're one of the one of the things that I admire about you is how passionate you can get about things, and I think that's something that people don't understand about you. Maybe, you know, they're probably thinking, you know, who's this guy? You people know, think it's come, problematic, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I honestly I see their side too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I yeah, I, I think it's it's probably also because people don't maybe spend enough time with you to know that. Yeah. And they're probably thinking, you know, who's this guy? Why is he raising his hand for every film? Yeah. No, he's just passionate. He's just, mm. he's, he, he loves cinema. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen, there's very few people who I've seen who are obsessed with cinema, obsessed with their craft. And that's something that I respect in anyone because um, in, in a book called Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, a uh, pretty famous book, mm -hmm. he mentions that for someone to be really good at something, to be an outlier, they need to practice this for 10,000 hours. The 10,000 hour rule, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he, you, you know, you have music composing times you know, scheduled throughout the day. And the way you talk about cinema, you live and breathe it. Yeah. And that's why these things come to you. And I think you deserve the credit Thank for you. it. You know, it's funny you said hand raising. Here's the thing. If I raise my hand, yeah, right, two people get annoyed at me. So it's two against one. But if I raise my hand, I'm raising the hands on behalf of hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. Right? Someone said that, right? You're not just helping yourself by asking a question. You're yeah. helping hundreds of thousands of people by asking. Yeah. And to me, to you, it may be a stupid question. To me, be a, uh, a, a, to you, it's a stupid question. To others, it's another perspective. Yeah. That's what it is. Exactly. You know, you, you never know if anyone was, would be thinking the same way as you are. Yeah. So ask that question. Ask, don't be afraid of looking stupid. Do you remember in your class who looked stupid the last time? Probably not. You couldn't name one person. So they're not thinking about you. So just ask. I, mean, I, I told him the car, right? I'm not in the car, sorry, in the elevator. Yes. Um, I told him one thing. We were talking about giving a, giving a damn about what people think. I said, listen, when I die, you know, in my religion, you have to cremate people. Probably my wife, if I have some kids, you know, a couple of kids, and maybe one or two best friends. Apart from that, apart from those four or five people, no one's going to be You do have a circle. Me, You're right? one of those guys. Who so why circle. spend my life worrying about the thousands of other people when it's only the five that matter and that file stick with you no matter what? So, you know, it, and especially when you're dedicated to a certain craft or vision, it's like, it's actually a very scary thing. 
Cause for Why do you say it's scary? Because sometimes, like, you just, like, I, my mom always has this problem with me. Um, for example, I always ruin movies for her. Like, I'll be in the living room talking, and I need to give family family time, right? Because at the end of the day, they are everything, in my opinion. But, like, I'll be in my own world. I'll be doing shot division of the script I was just writing. And, like, you know, my mom would always, like, do this. Like, she'll snap her fingers, come back, come back. Because you're just so upset. So it's a very dangerous thing. That's where mental health and balance has to come in. Right, I'm like I'm I'm proud of what I'm doing, but it's not in any way something I recommend to people. It's about finding balance, and that's where music, that's where meditation, that's something that has been happening in my family since day one. Spirituality, I think these practices are now very novel. It's like novelty. Ooh, I do yoga, I do meditation. But okay, it's whoa, much more. That is a, okay. I have my whole theory on that. That's a yeah. whole other com- conversation yeah. <laughs> that I'd honestly like to have on another episode or something. Yeah, but that's 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 uh, that's something to do with the culture here. I think yeah. for us as Indians, you know, yeah, we uh, wake up, we we, we meditate or yeah, pray yeah, first, it's, and then it's, we start. It's it, sort yeah. of built into our daily habits, I would say, in mm-hmm. some way or the other. And the generation before us really, really, really imposes it on us. But you know, in the best way. I mean, it in yeah. the best way possible. But you know, like we're seeing third world, you know, coming from third country even in our culture I, I i'm so thankful for it sometimes well first of all talk about the yoga thing although we can talk in detail i think what that has done nah, bro, the yoga the, thing is like no but it's here's too, the, no, it's here, too, here, when here, i'm no, in it i'm in it it's too no deep. but here's the thing here but one thing you do have to agree is the fact that yes. although we know what yoga does and things our generation coming from the cultural point of view we don't do much of it but although it's become a much more of a novelty the fact that it's still being permeated that's people are, are actually at the end of the day you just want people to be healthy and do what's right right the fact that what that's done as a novelty what this as a tradition doesn't really matter but i think what what tanashi said was really beautiful and what i think i think the three of us actually can collectively maybe feel is the fact that i believe my perseverance right the 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 core traits of a person that defines them especially when things go wrong Mm -hmm. comes from the culture like i come from a culture oh yeah right it's like you can beat me and i will get back again and again and again and again because guess what my father had to do it my grandfather had to do it and everybody in our culture have fought right so that that warrior just remains as the generations pass it's just a matter of the, the battles tanashi fought are maybe not about less about survival because see our parents generation it was about building that bridge right like the struggles and now we're come to a new land. I feel like what my responsibility as this new generation is to make a mark, right? My parents brought me here. And now this is a new world, this is a world of opportunity. It is also a world of acceptance. So now, what am I gonna do as Keshua Gita Kumar? And what am I gonna do to represent my people and make a mark, right? And I think that's where we are all in a very beautiful situation where it's like- You're a proud Indian? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a proud, proud Indian. Indian. Now, and I, I would never ever think otherwise, right? For every English movie I watch, I watch an Indian movie. Who's every... your favorite, like Indian? You know, that's favorite a, that's a Indian. Very, yeah, it's a very broad question, oh right? Oh my god! Um, you, I, I don't, I don't think it's. But it, trust me, though, it's a very common question back home because you'd yeah. never say, "Who's your favorite Canadian?" You know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't, yeah. I don't know if anyone said that. But who's your favorite Indian is a very, very valid question because yeah. you're talking about one in every seven people in the world. Yeah, damn, damn. damn. <laughs> it, it probably. I mean, I, I I have only two people. Like one would be a craft related. I know. I know who one is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm. Ta- okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So parents. Parents are the question. That's. Yeah. That's like. That's. So a I mean, if I, if I'm looking at um like 
people and character, it's probably someone like um, like Dr. A.B.J. Abdul Kalam, the former president of Lovely. India, and Lovely. what that man Lovely stood choice. for for the country and, and his humility. Or somebody, actually, I, actually, I have an answer. Um, it probably has to do. Okay, can I give two answers? Yes. One, okay, one, See, okay, okay, two it's, answers. It's, okay, it's, two so, answers. It's, okay, buddy, it's one point seven billion people. Okay, I get to pick two. <laughs> one has probably had more influence in my life than I tell my parents more than them. Yes, is uh, the great A.R. Rahman. Um, and I knew what, that. I mean, his music. Like, I live and breathe it every second, and I. It's it's just a part of my life. It's it's like oxygen, it, it, water, and then his music is my. It, it it got to the point, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. Yeah. It, at one point, he was actually conspiracy theorizing that he was uh, A.R. Rahman's. Uh, I still son. believe that. I lost still believe. Son. You know, I was I, so I was in a flight that. one time, and someone asked me, "Are you A.R. Rahman's son?" Because I look like him. And apparently, and when I was born, there was also a kid who <laughs> oh, came no. from who. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. I have. But I I believe that right. <laughs> um, and just the way the man goes about his life, and the amount of humility and spirituality he brings into his craft and the second person from a craft point of view is again like i'd mentioned kamal hassan i think he yes. is someone who is you're going brought, on three now no You've two three. okay okay three okay one point seven million okay three is enough but these are three people that i really admire um <laughs> told yeah. you this answer yeah. gets people very excited i mean this question i mean yeah um i think you know who mine is yours you have too many people you like one that is actually very true yeah, you have two. but i would say the top um person is Mahindra Singh Dhoni. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to go with four. It has to be MSD oh as well. Oh, my God. No See, way. but that's true. MSD, I have a poster up on my wall of MSD. And I've, um, I just live it. I live and breathe this, his his energy, everything that he stands for. His voice. His voice. And uh, when I think of being cool, calm, and collected, he's my biggest inspiration for that. Yeah. And he keeps me grounded in a lot of ways. And some people would look at me like, honey, he's just... You know, he's a celebrity. Like, okay, no, but I'm not as attached to the celebrity aspect of him. I'm attached to what he stands for. Do you know every time that man walked onto the stadium, imagine knowing that 1.7 billion people are counting on you. Yeah, are behind, are like expecting something from you. Or yeah. you're leading 1.7 yeah. billion people. Yeah. That, that, is, that is a that's a position that a lot of people cannot be in. Bro, and he's been in that position. Yeah. It's, it's, he, he inspires me till date. He, he inspired, when I, when I think of leadership, Tinashe, we talk a lot about leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk about Simon Sinek all day. You know, I love Simon Sinek, but MS Dhoni is, he's where it's at yeah. for me. And the, it's very interesting. Every time I see the goats who do it, right? I, I once had a chance to talk to this, this, this person who was a great leader. I asked him, how do you do this? You know what he told me? I just do it. Who said that? Like one of like my, one of the people in the in the metaverse space who's the right. forefront of it, and even um, like one of the people I had a chance of talking to a very influential uh, filmmaker. When I talked to him, I'm like, you know, how do you do this? How do you lead a team of two thousand people? How do you make? How do you stay true to your craft? I was expecting him to go on like some philosophy. He just went, yeah, I do it. He keeps it simple. Because do you have a favorite yeah. um, person? I guess, I would say person or like a figure that you look up to. Yeah, Tanashi, too, tell me. I'm curious. I, I don't think I have a favorite person, but I do have people who I look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from, let's just scratch out the people I read in books. Uh, I'm talking about, like, everyday, normal, basic people. Like, th- this is, it's not any one special, but, like, for example, the reason why I always mention someone like Kanye West and Elon Musk, they're very popular people, but, like, you need to understand their stories of how they got to what they're doing to really try to understand, yeah, he's a celebrity, whatever, whatever. But like, for example, if you've seen even um, his Netflix um, documentary, um, mm-hmm. Kanye West, right? You really then understand 
why he had to push for certain things that he was doing so those people i look up to him and i can't understand because i'm like hey if i had a dream i'm really gonna push for it and even spending time to 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 really focus in on what you believe on like for example we were talking about positive arrogance and i was like it's kind of funny because this podcast was looking for new and different perspectives right and you know for example someone's like oh there's peer pressure and then we always treat peer, peer pressure as a bad thing but there can also be positive peer pressure where all your friends can be like oh let's go study instead of do this you know you can have that same it, it kind of tips on either side so today for me that perspective also was unlocked where you can have a sense of positive arrogance where you're actually standing up for a vision that you really believe in for example kanye west when he was trying to do his first album everybody didn't want to sign him he was like nah this is my sound and i'm gonna do this and he did it you know what i mean and then someone like your elon musk right when you're like my rocket is gonna do a b c d yeah it took him six seven eight years right but he's now there and then people when he when you're now there people just like hopping on that bandwagon oh my gosh look what he's doing but like when he was doing all that you're like bro it's not gonna work let's see tanashi the beauty of what you said right there and why positive air you know the key to positive arrogance let's bring up that very statement you came up elon was he had a sense of arrogance that my rocket will take us to Mars. Yeah. But read that statement again. My rocket will take us to Mars. When you're when what you're arrogant for is beyond you, that's always a very beautiful Ooh, that's thing. That's a lovely way to put it. Right? Yeah. Arrogance is, is is bad when it's about you. If when when Kanye stood for something greater than him, when Elon Musk spent years of his life in a, in a couch, he had a girlfriend, they had to both sleep on a couch in front of their brother, they had to code all night. That arrogance is for something greater than them. Right, and when that arrogance comes out for us, the greater good. That's not arrogance. It's a very beautiful sense of arrogance. But I kind of understand the perspective now. So I'm like, these are kind of the people where I'm like, hey man, because me sometimes I sit there and I have things going on, and I'm like, do I should I really give up? Especially in the first world, it's very very easy for you to just get lost. Especially in the corporate world, I can get stuck in my nine to five and completely forget to work on my dreams my visions and whatever and this and then by the time i look back it's five six seven years that i've wasted in my life so i always have to remind myself that hey man i need to actually do more because we have these things it's just that it's you just need almost like you know when you're like a seedling and you're trying to burst out and like Mm -hmm. sprout it's you need to keep on doing it you know no matter what just even when you fall it's very hard but like it's that sense of perseverance yeah yeah now i have philosophy coming out Tanisha, do you uh, do have you ever felt like New Light Network has to be something that people should agree with? Mm-hmm. No, uh, not necessarily agree with, but like for example, we're unlocking new perspectives every time every people are here. What I value more in a podcast is sense of character and like because yeah. people fall in love with the character and what's happening here. So when you guys, so when so when the host and let's say they just create this character, right? That's what attracts people, and then what you're saying, right? Be like, mm, you know, what? I like what this guy is saying. Maybe let me actually stick to and give him a minute for okay. him to finish what he's saying and then it, it gives them like okay maybe actually he's right type of thing that's what i value more in a podcast yeah. the beauty of a podcast well. is the fact that some many podcasts people say stuff like what in the world are talking about but what a good podcast does it sets the tone that even if i don't agree with you i'm like i respect your opinion mm-hmm. right that's the beauty like perspectives are unlocked not to understand them and agree with them it's just to be exposed to them exactly right and I kind of I want to give you an example for you. Um, so this was Trevor Noah. You guys know Trevor Noah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was with Dave Chappelle, and he was gonna do like an opening act for him, right? And then you, so he was talking to Dave. He was like, "Dave, what am I doing here? I, I mean, I'm not even as funny as you guys." And then he was like, "Bro, this is Dave now speaking to Trevor. He's like, bro, you're not here because you're funny. I know like a hundred other people who are funny. You're here because you're interesting." 
And that's what captivates mm. the audience because someone who's interesting yeah. engages the audience. And then you see now you sit that that's a completely different ball game. Yeah. So it's the same thing here where Absolutely. I want the podcast to have some form of character that draws people. That's why someone's like, hey, I want to tune in to New Light Network this week because I kind of like what's going on here. Yeah. And then they get exposed to different perspectives. There's two outcomes out of this. Either you provide a perspective that they resonate with, they take home. Or you provide them a perspective that they don't agree with, which further strengthens their own beliefs. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, and see, like when you when you offer a perspective, very rarely do people understand it when you say it. They go home, they I don't know, they take a dump, they they live <laughs> through life, right? And one fine day, when something hits them, they're like, "Wait a second, I remember him saying that." Like, how many of us understood the whole Simon Sinek winning? And like, I didn't understand the first time. I'm like, "What is this guy? He's just making up stuff to make money." Ten days later, I'm sitting in a meeting which went really well, where I didn't get what I wanted, but I earned the trust of that man. And then I am driving back. I'm like, ah, oh, what you said makes sense, right? Your job is just plant the seeds. Whether they grow into trees or they die in the mud is not your problem. I love, I love when people... Actually, no, you're probably the first person who brought up Simon Sinek in the podcast. And Simon Sinek is one of the first people that I mentioned in my first episode of... Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. Like, like what he said about the Navy SEALs. Uh, oh yes, yes. Right? Like I've that, seen that one yeah, yeah. I've seen that, yeah, so yeah. when I first heard that when my naive age of 17 or 18 I'm like yeah whatever right running a business now I, I put that up on my board every day I love right? that I, like, love, I, I love that you I, do I, that. I put the graph that he has like of the Navy SEALs and it's like you can be a high functioning something but then he has at the middle point which is high, high trust but low performance something in that oh yeah grade. that graph it's yeah. like it's, it's high trust versus like high skill or yeah, something yeah. like that and then he's like hey man Someone's willing to work with someone who is low skill but high trust than someone who's high skill, very low trust. So I was like, it got me, even when I saw it the first time, I was like, huh? what, yeah. what's yeah. this guy talking about? But then I understood, especially being in a working environment, right, where trust is everything and, you know, you can understand. So um, I do understand these different perspectives. And someone who really, like, especially for talking, um, sorry, especially if we're talking about philosophy and stuff like that, Jordan Peterson, Yeah, he's got this, like, I'm like, man, how are you seeing things like this? How do you even get to this point? Yeah. yeah. And, and he, I mean, we yes, have to he's credit a professor his, UFT, right? Exactly. So yeah. we have to credit his educational background. And, like, I'm sure. Because he backs it up with, like, research. And, like, that's when you know a guy is actually knowing what he's I'm saying. sure he was obsessed with it. I'm sure he's put in 10,000 hours of, you know, oh, yeah. reading up those books. So oh, yeah. He's, he's obsessed gained, with his craft yes. in his own way. Right? He is obsessed. So, yeah. yeah. And you can see that in him. I, I got to sure. start speaking like him. I wanted to ask you guys, is like, what, what do you think makes a character? I mean, there like, for me. Are we talking about a person's character? Or are we talking about the character for this podcast? Um, it, it, character in the most vague sense. Like, what do you think? And 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 someone you know who can fit into the podcasting, but for me, I feel that character begins with if you're someone who is very relationship based. Where are you able to when you interact with people? What sense of relationship or energy do you give out? first and foremost for me and then for and how do you carry yourself as one as well so that's what i really think forms character because i could just meet you but i don't know anything about your life but what can you leave right now that will distinguish me as okay this is the character i would like to deal with in those 10 five minutes that we've met so it's like how you carry yourself what, what are you gonna say how you are gonna treat the people around you Type of that's in my own personal opinion. That's what I feel like builds character. But I don't know about this self character mm-hmm. image thing. That yeah, that's that's what I feel. I like that you said it's relationship based. I think that's that to me. I've never thought of that, thought of it that way before. 
and yeah you're right it's about how other people because the other person has to perceive you as a character so for that uh, what are you doing not 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 act like you know just how you are you're not trying hard or anything just like how you are and what an energy invoke yeah that's that's very nice but yet again also character also comes especially if you're someone who knows you're sorry especially if you're someone who knows them themselves very well mm-hmm. comfortable or, in their own skin or if you know uh, or you have a great understanding and perspective of things so for example people read a lot of books understand the world and then especially if they're good at their craft they understand themselves so mm-hmm. they are able to connect the two so when you the funny speak to thing them, is sorry go on yeah so you speak to them you can understand where they're coming from because he's not just saying this thing for the sake of saying something he has a reason for that and you kind of be like okay i, I feel what he's saying so but the beauty is you're saying understanding of self but can the 17 year old anirudh dartanashi say that they had a firm idea of who they were because the 21 or 22 year old anashi is different i think what defines a character is anybody or anything that is on a journey journey towards anything journey towards simple things like being a better person every day journey towards something like understanding my craft because the, the beauty of a character is that it evolves right in this whole life we're living we're not going to be able to tomorrow you'll be that much different than you are today so do you truly have an understanding of who you are why why hold this sense of again a very subtle way of arrogance that i know i know i know who i am i know what the world is you don't nasa only accounts i think 90% of asteroids there could be that 10% there could be one giant asteroid that's going to wipe us out in like a matter of seconds what do you know right but i think what provides character is the f- fact that we're all on a journey right some people have it towards spiritual liberation some people have it towards mastering something some people have it towards living a certain way when people are on a journey when people people i hate people say understand your purpose how do they going to understand purpose if you don't know yourself right but it's the journey of it's a journey of being in something it's that makes someone it's a striving again this is something yeah. that simon sinek says it's a exactly. constant striving everything exactly your journey is different from my journey and vice versa right and that's where the character begins you know the character building begins is when you're constantly in a state of evolution and it's very fitting that you'd say it as a filmmaker and we'd say it as a filmmaker so yeah. you know we know characters you know the best films have characters that you stick with a good film you know the plot can be really nice but at the end of the day you stick with the character and a lot of our profs they taught us that as well yeah and that's why we remember certain characters even if we don't agree with them the you still remember like, them yeah like for example i always see you see a 3 hour epic character motivated film you have a beautiful climax happy ending man 15 days after that the character could be in a completely different life and you don't know it's just the arc that you see in that exactly that's um, a good point but yeah that's that's what i believe about characters awesome. the journey you know at on on the topic of characters and i really have to say that i think you are one and um a lot of people say that a lot of people say that <laughs> yeah. and you know what I'm that's happy. good that's yeah. good because you need to be one i'm a lot happy of people as long character. as long as i can i hope to be loving humble and giving back to the world i don't care what the hell i am and you do you do all thank that thank you thank and you uh, i want to wrap up here on that note yeah. i think that was a brilliant topic to finish on character that really sums uh up what we love to do which mm-hmm. is cinema and what we love to do which is podcast. Yeah, and I want to thank you guys for having me on here and even doing something wonderful as this is to open up topics cuz you know the one thing I always hear from the older generation is that the, the younger generation they're so spoiled. They don't know much. They haven't seen as much as I have in this world, but you know, it's our generation is something truly special. We have 
the potential to revolutionize this world and much more than any other generations have and to have young people like you uh, show perspectives to our generation and to make our own generation understand how different people like us think is, is a wonderful thing. So thank you again for having me on the show. Thank you. It was very well said. And I really, really hope that that's what we are working towards. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tanashi. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll right, catch you on the next one. Up. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. I'm on these macros. Thank you for tuning into New Light Network. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can listen to New Light Network on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For more content, follow us on Instagram at New Light Net and check out our YouTube for more clips and behind the scenes content. I'll catch you on the next one. This is Ani signing off. Peace. <laughs>